A little low. It was a little low. <laughs> Gotta go right in the middle. Right? Okay. Welcome to the By the, By damn, the How damn House podcast. podcast. Okay. So if I may. Yes, you may. You have the floor. In all transparency. Christina Joy. <laughs> this is Christina Joy. And with Grace Carpenter. And we have been friends for 15 years. Yes. And something as little as somebody hurting somebody's feelings is not going to change our relationship. Never. Because we are soul sisters. Absolutely. And I think it all comes down to communication. Absolutely. Right? And just really understanding that no one is perfect and everyone's really just trying their best. Right, Grace. I really feel that way. Right? Yeah. It is the truth. Absolutely. At the end of the day, I'm not perfect. I'm so sensitive. You know, going through life, something changed in me, I think in my early 30s, where I just started giving every single person I encountered the benefit of the doubt. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure this person is trying their hardest. Yeah. I'm sure this person who just cut me off in traffic really had to be somewhere. Right. Or they didn't know. Or they, or didn't they were know. like oblivious. Or they were totally distracted. Yeah. Like I just stopped taking everything personally. Mm-hmm. And then it's like everyone was kind of off the hook, but so was I. Like we could just all kind of like live in harmony. Just be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually when I started doing that with my husband, like our relationship got wonderful because I'm like, why am I not giving this man the benefit of the doubt always? Because you know he's he always, loves you. And he's always trying his hardest. He always. really is. Yeah. Always. And yeah. I feel that way about our friendship too. Like you will always get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Same. You never have bad intentions, but once in a while, if I accidentally hurt your feelings, I do not mean it ever. And I know that. I get it. And same. When I hurt your feelings, we know that we come from a place of love. Yes. Really and truly. Like so much love and so much respect. Yes. And so much admiration. I mean, I've looked up to you for so long. The respect thing is huge because I really care about your opinion. Right. So if I think you think something's wrong, then I immediately think it's wrong. Right. If Christina thinks this is bad, it's bad. Right, right. Like if we go into somewhere together and we get the bad vibes. Or yeah. <gasps> Vegas. Do Vegas. you remember that night? That night? Which one? Okay. It was you- the night that I vomited in the trash can. <laughs> can I tell the story? It's the best story ever. But also, this girl is insane. This girl is insane. Yeah. And this story is not that old. Yes. But Christina yes. loves to dance. Mm-hmm. Loves to dance. Loves the Vegas. And we went out one night. I do not know how, but we were the last people in the club. Mm -hmm. Like literally they turned the lights on. 5 a.m. Just our jackets Uh were hanging at the coat check. (laughs) That's it. The last two jackets in all of coat check were ours. Yes. And Christina's like, I'm not done yet. 5 a.m. Let's go to Dre's because Dre's is after hours. Starts at 5 a.m. Goes till God knows. Noon. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Um, We... Got to Dre's. We got to the Cromwell. We're in line for Dre's. Christina goes, I'll be right back. She ran to the trash can, threw up, and then came back to line. And security saw her. And security came up to us and they said, you have to leave. And Christina goes, okay, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. I'm going to leave. And she... She's a petite woman. She ran like she was leaving and then made a beeline for the entrance to Dre's and left all of us going, oh my God, did she just go in there? We had to to pay off the doorman to let us through. We're like, she just. You were awesome because you had the cash. She was like, I've got you. I've got you, girl. Oh my God. So, yes, Vegas. What was the vibe thing you okay, were going to say? I was, that was an amazing, amazing night. Right. So that same night when we were at the place right before, there were those guys there. Which and guy? you and I looked at each other. I went. And we were like, remember? Do you yeah. remember now? We were like, 
these guys are no good. No. We have got to leave. Yeah. Remember? Yes. They were like, that we felt like there was going to be a shoot. I don't know yeah. what was going to go on. Yeah. A fight, a shooting. Yeah. You something. can just, like, danger, like, our spidey senses were going off. But yes. Vegas is, like, a wild place. Yeah. Like, especially yeah. later. But we at were night. on the same page. Yes. We like, just looked at each other. We're like, we got to get out of here. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Yes. And that's oh when we gosh. left, I think, to go to the next place because yes. we were just like, we've got to go. Yes. So, circling back to real estate on that, when you have a gut feeling, as I think I talked about yesterday or, yes. or whenever we did that last podcast, Your was. Flip. Yes, it was when I saw it on the MLS. Yes. I got the gut, right? Yeah. Do you ever have those feelings? Absolutely. Of Absolutely. Like in real estate? Yeah. So- and um, sometimes it might look to the outside world like I'm impulsive mm-hmm. because I know immediately and I can just call a wholesaler or an agent and be like, can you just write this up and send it over? And they're like, don't you want to? No, I, right. I just want the house. I just. Just do it. Right, right. Send it over. Right. I'll write the damn check. Right. I'll <laughs> like, write the damn house. I'll write um, the damn check. But instinct is is something that you have to cultivate. Mm-hmm. But once you do, there's like no going back. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can always rely on it. Yeah. And I can look at a house and see it finished. Right. Even in total disrepair. Right. So I already know where it's going. Right. So you have that foresight. Yeah. You have the, the yeah. vision. To see. So what would you say to our listeners? Because I'm trying to think like, what would I say right now? If somebody doesn't quite have that eye for like, you know what I mean? Like what it could be. Sure. How could they, how could they get that? You know, you don't even need to necessarily have that when you're starting out, but you really do have to follow your intuition of what feels good when you're dealing with other people, because not all agents are forthcoming Mm -hmm. and honest, Mm -hmm. you know, and some kind of might lead you astray and Mm -hmm. then you're end up, you're going to end up with a money pit house. And um, so relying on people you trust, Mm -hmm. like, um, it's always good to have a really good property inspector, especially at the beginning. And if you're walking through a house with a property inspector and he says, you know, this house is pretty solid. That can be your nice little green check mark to continue going if that's the path you're right. going down. I don't know how you teach intuition. Right. How do you? Uh, right? I don't know. Exactly. I but really I, don't I, know. I think that's great advice though. Like it's intuition as the people that you get involved with. Oh, yeah. In real estate. Yeah. Like I think we all, pretty much most people, right, have a good intuition of like, this guy just doesn't feel good. Or like this, I just don't think I should go down that street at this time. You know, like, like you know, and I think we overanalyze it sometimes. Even on the phone. Even on the phone. If you call 100%. an agent and they're not the yeah. nicest and you're like, this this doesn't feel right, don't buy that house. Don't do it. Don't do it. That takes me to, in my buyer's workbook, I have one of the top seven things is don't be afraid to walk away. Yes. That is a huge deal, right? Yeah. Because some things just don't work out. No. Like, and, and never it's okay. be afraid to walk away at the expense of like letting down your realtor. Right. Like when 100%. I was actively practicing as an agent, if I showed a house to, to my buyers and they were like, you know, we just don't love it. I'd be like, great no problem let's you have to you have to love it mm-hmm. like you have to just want it and it's yours it and is you have an to emotional see yourself there. purchase right? right even though we try to make it not emotional well it is it is so emotional and you know what that's okay mm-hmm. especially it's different something they say when you're first starting out as a real estate investor i heard this again and again from mentors is don't fall in love with the house right it's just a transaction it's just a business decision but when you're putting your creative effort into it and and it's maybe it's maybe more of a female trait to like start to love a house mm-hmm. um i don't think that that's wrong mm-hmm. i don't so you're saying it's okay i do to i think be it's a okay emotional but it's also okay to walk away it's right. actually okay to be like you know what i woke up this morning and i was all gung-ho on this house yesterday and i know we made an offer but i want to rescind my offer i decided right. i do not want this house right so you have to just keep and keep in check Checking in with yourself. Checking in with yourself. Yeah. And don't what? ever feel under an obligation. 
to like, don't ever feel pressured by your realtor or your wholesaler or your spouse or anybody anybody. to keep the deal together. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't feel right to you. Yep. Okay. So like, um, with my husband, my ex-husband, daughter of my child, I don't know if I should be saying this, but like, I knew on my wedding day that I should not get married. And like I felt pressured, yeah, because yeah. we got married in Hawaii. Yeah, all of his beach. family was there. Yeah, all the money you flew in. With I was Becca. there. Yeah, like everybody yeah. was there. And then like all of a sudden on the morning of, I'm just gonna be like, oh, sorry, I changed my mind. I mean, did you know at my first wedding, I was I did not want to leave the room and to, my to, to James and really? my and my ex father, um, not father in law, um, hit James's. Godfather, who was our like witness, came to my room and he said, do you want to leave? I can have the car started. Yeah. I can pull her on the back. I can see it in your eyes. You don't have to do this. And what'd you say? I was like, it's okay. I'll, I'll be okay. Because you just think it's cold I talked, feet, right? You I talked, talked myself into it. out of it, But right? I knew. I knew right then. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting sure. because. I wonder how many women feel that way and then just like go right? through with it anyway. I would say. Especially if you have like the big fancy big fancy wedding i mean Mm -hmm. and nowadays weddings are like a hundred thousand dollars i mean that wedding in hawaii was like 10 or 15 and i felt obligated right like imagine all the family coming from wisconsin or whatever oh my god it's a lot of pressure yeah right yeah it is the rest of your life anyway back to real estate is yes you can be somewhat emotional i guess but at the end of the day know that it really is a huge decision and you can back out yeah you can change your mind. Yeah. And you should trust your gut. Yeah. Like that's, that is the bottom line. And the sweet spot is where your emotions are in a really good place and you have excitement, maybe even like nervous butterflies, but in an excited way about it. Right. And on paper, it pencils. And it pencils. I think that's the key. Is that not the key yeah. of the real estate? Like of this, I would say is it has to pencil. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to walk away, even if yeah. you're totally in love with it, because Absolutely. there will be another one. Always. I don't know it's why. It's like buses. It's like buses. There's always going to be another one. And like my grandma always said, even about relationships, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he could be a really nice guy, but he's not the nice guy for you. Sure. Right? So this house could be a really nice house. Yeah. But it's not for you. Right? Have you ever encountered this yet? That this is something that I encountered a lot when I was first starting out as a flipper here in Phoenix. This desperation, like, if I don't get this house, I'm never going to find right. another one. Right. And and then so the competitiveness and, like, the aggression that goes into being the one to acquire the property. Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't like that energy at all. And so I taught myself early on that like, there's always another deal. Yes. There's always going to be another deal. There really is another house. Always. Always. There's, we're never going to run out of houses. Right. Never. Yeah. So if you can let that part go and then, then the spirituality aspect of it Mm -hmm. is anything that's meant for you will never pass you by. Will come to you. Yes, exactly. Will never pass you by. If it's meant for you, it will be yours. That's just the way it works. Mm-hmm. So um, that takes the desperation out of it mm-hmm. so that you can approach it with more of a clear head and a clear mind. And maybe we should talk about what it means to pencil. Okay. I like that. Absolutely. So here's another jargon word. Right. To, to pencil. pencil. Make the numbers pencil. Right. right. And so what it means is um, even what we talked about how – something um you buy you make your money when you buy mm-hmm. right so a big part of that is from the second you decide to acquire a property the numbers work in your favor so you can already see even if things go wrong there's enough of a buffer where you're going to make a profit mm-hmm. yes like in my current flip yes i know i had mentioned that like ideally we want to send it sell it for $5.95. Right. But even if we sell it for $5.60, we will still make money. We That's won't wonderful. make as much money. Right. Right? Because right. of course it's what however many thousands of dollars off, but 
we will still cover our costs right. and make some money. And it's a learning experience and it's for your portfolio and you just roll the money over. So there's every chance that the other opposite end is going to happen with your house because it's so beautiful, you guys, and it's so thought out. And she has the ability to just create everything in CAD so you can see exactly how it's going to look when it's done. But there's every chance that you're going to get the other end, which is a bidding war, right. I think. I think you might want to expect that. Yeah. And I don't know if we've talked about this, but something you might want to ask for if those bidding wars begin is – um an appraisal waiver. Oh. Those are a really big deal here in Arizona. Okay. I'm <laughs> Meaning. Not even, I don't even know what that yeah, is. Yeah. So I'll so. tell you because it's um it's a buzzword, but okay. it's a nice buzzword. I like it. An appraisal waiver means the buyers agree to buy the house for this higher price, even if it appraises for less. So all through 2021 that happened, I'm sure. Absolutely. Like even all over the half, place. Half of 2022. Right. Even. Really? Yeah. Um, my flip I did, the black house with the guest house, mm-hmm. that was under contract like three times, but then interest rates kept going up. Every single offer had an appraisal waiver. Wow. Yeah. So does the buyer have to come up with the difference yeah, then, Yeah, usually right? they show usually through the they... funds mm-hmm. to for the difference. So, so instead s- of paying their 5% down, they right. pay their 5% down plus 50 grand. Because that's the amount that was over the appraisal. Right. So it was appraised for 100 mm-hmm. but it went under contract for 150 mm-hmm. They had to come up with that 50000 over. And they were willing to do it. Right. Of course. So this is my whole YouTube video that I have posted about the interest rates. Yes, maybe your neighbor got a lower interest rate. Yeah. But they paid 50000 over. Right. And how long are they going to have to stay in that house to make that money back? To not right? be to upside make, down. To not be upside. Really, in the long run, right? Because, right. yes, they got a lower interest rate, but they paid over Way what over. it was worth. Like, right. And so many thousands of people did that at the time. I've been like, seeing a lot of TikToks out of Canada where people bought million-dollar houses, and those houses are only worth 800000 now. So that's a huge correction. Absolutely. Huge. Absolutely. Um, I haven't seen it that bad here not yet. Not yet. No, but they also, in Canada, did you know this? They have variable interest rate mortgages. Like, it's still the standard there. So, you know how in the housing crash of 2008, how a lot of our laws changed to protect consumers because most people had variable Mm -hmm. loans. They were fixed for the first five or seven years, and then they would go to a totally different interest rate, and your, your payment might double. Well... That kind of went away in the U.S. unless you're doing like creative financing. Mm-hmm. But in Canada, that's still very much the case. And Australia. I didn't know that. Yeah. Which is a little scary. Yeah. So a lot of people aren't able to afford their houses. And I think I read somewhere that in England, it's your interest rate is renegotiated every year. What? That yeah. is a lot to go through. Can you imagine? No. But on that same note. I want to talk about also, um, I have a YouTube video on my channel about um, foreclosures yeah. and how people are saying like, oh, can, can like the media, right, can right. get people a little bit freaked out. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we're talking about foreclosures right now and like people are kind of, a lot of people who are not in the business of real estate, they just listen to the news. Yeah. You know, they yeah. don't, they see, oh, foreclosures are on the rise, you know, interest rates are going up, blah, blah, blah. But if you really look... At the numbers, I think today's in today's market, perspective is everything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because like we just talked about the Big Short or whatever that movie, yeah, 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 back in two thousand. You have to watch that. Yes, I'm gonna watch it. Yes, and I think our listeners yes. should watch it. Yes, it's I'm, and very we can talk about it. It's on the next. very interesting. I would love to talk to you about the Big Short. Yes. Uh, okay. On our next episode, we're gonna talk about yeah. that. But I think what what listeners and what I know and what I think is so important to get out there is that perspectively speaking, we are not going to go through the same thing we went to through, through in 2008 and 2009. There are so many safeguards in place. Right. There because are so of what happened. many people right. with fixed 30-year fixed rate loans 
under 4%, exactly. they're never moving. Right. They're never moving. Right. right. Exactly. It's not like back then where they, like you just said, had that variable interest rate where it went up to 8, 9, 10% and then they couldn't afford the mortgage. Right. And that's why they went into foreclosure. Right. Nowadays, people who did get this amazing interest rate, their, their mortgage is totally doable. And it's fixed forever. And it's fixed forever. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. No. And they shouldn't. No. Like, they should stay put. They exactly. should rent it, take their HELOC out if they want to move, and right. move somewhere else and rent it or whatever. You know what I mean? But they should never get rid of that loan. So, I think I read somewhere that proportionally, there's so many people that got really good loans in mm -hmm. the past three years, mm -hmm. right? And they're never moving. So right. you can kind of consider those houses off the market forever. Yeah, sure. And then there's an entire portion of big banks that have started buying homes for their portfolios that are going to be rented forever. Mm -hmm. And as soon as a home is purchased, but like JP Morgan has a over a billion dollar fund that they just started to purchase rental properties right. in suburban communities. When J.P. Morgan purchases a home and they put it in their trust, it's never coming back out. Right. So that home can be removed from the market. From the market. So all of a sudden, you've got all these good loans held. They're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You've got all these J.P. Morgan loans, uh, uh, houses. They're mm -hmm. not going anywhere. So all of a sudden, the only houses that are going to be bought and sold are here. Mm -hmm. How can this many crash the market mm -hmm. no matter exactly. what the prices are it's Ex not going to happen exactly i don't believe that we are going to have a big crash mm -hmm. i don't and that's just a personal opinion personal not financial advice just right. a personal opinion but <laughs> right. i think if you're waiting right for a crash like 2008 you're gonna be waiting a long time you're gonna miss the boat mm -hmm. i agree because as I, I, and all these things that I read and I keep up with like the Windermere Desert properties and me all the stuff about like yeah. local current markets is that interest rates are actually going to go down supposedly yes. well, in hopefully. 2023. This is like the prediction. Toward the end of the year right? is what they're saying. Yeah. Right. So this one I just read though said spring is really? of course a huge market for buying. Of course. Spring selling season. Right. Spring yeah. selling season. And that interest rates are going to go down even if it's just a half a percent. Right. So that just takes it right at six or a little under six. And then, of course, spring season is upon us. So then you're going to get right back into your bidding wars. I, that's what I'm talking about. Is that what you're talking that's about? That's what too? I'm talking about with your with your flip. Oh, right. It's going to fit that spring, timeline perfectly. Know, right. Because how far out are you? Do you think? At least three months. Yeah. Yeah. Same with you? Yeah, probably. So we're going to be probably right there yeah. about the same time. Yeah. So exciting. And I'm really excited because I get to list my flip. So, yeah. of course, as a new agent, it's going to, you know, maybe yeah. be my first listing or hopefully not. I'm going to get one by then. But, I mean, who knows? So, it's going <laughs> to be fun. It's going to be good. Yeah. You got your hands in all the pies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. anyway, um, yeah. So, the point is, though, don't – I don't think from my – like you said, my opinion, no – like financial advice, yeah. but there will not be another crash because it's just the number, it doesn't make sense that people aren't upside down no. like they were. I mean, and even people who really need to sell because of divorce or death right. or whatnot, right. Jobs. Um, people are still buying mm -hmm. and I'm working with three buying. buyers right. right now. Right. Like those are my, like three active buyers that want to actually go out there and yeah. Of course, buy the damn house. That's yeah. what they want to do. No, exactly. And this is the time. I agree. And um, I'm noticing, because I have a home staging company, um, I didn't have much business toward the last the last quarter of 2022. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have many staging jobs. Things were just kind of, there weren't a lot of new listings hitting the market. Mm -hmm. But um, that is starting to pick up again. And that's a really good indicator that houses are coming up for sale. Right. So exactly. If there's new inventory, maybe buyers will come back to the market too. I'm not sure. Right. Who knows? Who knows? But I don't think there's going to be another crash. No. no. It just it doesn't make sense. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? Because people have too good of, it's not like people can't make their mortgages. Right. Right. It's like right. people can't, they can make the payments. That said, there's one aspect of Real estate that I think is maybe going to have a bubble or a correction, and that's um, Airbnbs. Oh. Remember how we were talking yesterday about how they're 
are a lot of people who purchased Airbnbs. Yep. For the sole purpose. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, they have to make so much every month mm-hmm. just to cover the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't rent it to a long-term tenant and have it cover itself. Mm-hmm. Those houses might start to come up. Mm-hmm. For example, in Scottsdale, January 1st, 2023, they changed the law for Scottsdale. Any Airbnb in Scottsdale, um, there's a maximum number of adults allowed in the property. Her, mm-hmm. Only six adults. And some of these houses are expand. They can sleep 15 people. So all of a sudden, if you can only have six adults in the house, you can't charge enough to cover the mortgage. Mm-hmm. I expect that luxury real estate in areas like that where the Airbnb regulations change, mm-hmm. that market might be flooded a little bit. And in that price point, yeah. because it's million dollars. million dollars, there's a lot of people who have cash. Yeah. So they can come in there, mm-hmm. make kind of a low ball offer, yeah. low ball, quote unquote. Swoop in. Swoop in and then take that, take that right up. Yep. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Because air, like a lot of counties are putting a kibosh on the Airbnb. Yeah. And they, like you said, yes, like on the last podcast is that they don't have the three exit strategies. Right. Right. They only had the All one. their eggs in one basket. Yeah. And that's, that's really scary. You mm-hmm. never want to buy something where you're vulnerable mm-hmm. to losing the property mm-hmm. and quickly if laws, if local laws change, mm-hmm. you're dependent on regulations. And that's, that's a little scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, totally anyway, agree. so I'm watching that market, but so far I haven't seen a lot of new listings. Right. And we're, we're, almost, we're, today's the last day of January. It took effect January 1 and, and I still, mm, I don't they're know what fine. they're doing. I think they're doing well, workarounds. I think from what I've been hearing and what some of my colleagues have been doing are the medium term rentals. Oh. The traveling nurses. Yeah. The snowbirds, like where I live in the desert. Yeah. You have like here the, too. And here too in Arizona, of course. Like the 30 days or more. Yeah. It's like medium, right? The mm-hmm. medium rental area is where they're kind of moving to. You can't make as much, but sure. maybe it's enough to hold them over. Yeah. For what they need. Until the market comes back and they can sell it on the first day for exactly. over asking. Exactly. Yeah. Possible. The name of the game right now for those is to hold on. If they can. Yeah. Right? Get the Just medium rentals in there. Like figure right. it out. Right. Hold on. Yeah. Even if they have to take a loss. Yeah. Three, four hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Of some sort. Yeah. But see, this is why your exit strategy is so, so important. important. Yes. When you go to buy that first house, because a lot of people who are making that first move, they don't have that five six hundred dollars a month to float it. Yeah, right. That's yeah. a huge a chunk yeah. of change out of someone's monthly income. And you kind of have to you you have to have a buffer. You have to have the buffer. Absolutely. And this is where the penciling, yeah, right, comes the in. numbers pencil, right, because you have to drill down, right. And sometimes it's not pleasant. No. You know what I mean? Like no. I don't sometimes like it. So it's really interesting with Airbnbs because they're considered sexy investments, right? They're usually properties that you're really proud of. They're beautiful. They're in really good areas. But if the numbers don't work, the numbers don't work. Right. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. And I'm moving away from those toward Section 8 properties Mm -hmm. that maybe aren't the prettiest, but cash flow like crazy. Mm -hmm. That's it. I know. That's what my dad always said. I mean, so my dad had taught me real estate back when I was in my 20s. Or like he, my dad did a seller finance on our house when I was 17 in Poway, California. Wow. Yeah. And I remember, I remember him talking about it. Like I remember him saying like, yeah, we don't have to come. Because I remember hearing him talk with my mom. Like we're not going to have to come with any money down. So yeah, he did seller financing back then. He was always into really creative financing. And I think he always put those like, you know what I mean? It was always mm-hmm. in the back of my head that there's yeah. creative financing, which is pretty, pretty special. But um, that's just kind of what you have to, you have to just be aware. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is where learning from other people's mistakes mm-hmm. is a really smart thing. Mm-hmm. Like watching the big short. Right. Just 
don't don't take out a variable interest rate loans on houses you can't afford. You can't afford, right? Because <laughs> there's this the one day. scene in The Big Short where I told you bankers um, on Wall Street go down to Florida and start interviewing yes. people, and they yes. basically see what's happening. They see the canary in the well. They see. Um, a big, big, big problem brewing that they weren't necessarily able to see from Wall Street, right? And they interview this stripper and she says, oh, if interest rates go up, I'm screwed. And they're like, what do you mean? Do you have an, in, do you have a bad loan? Do you have a variable interest rate loan? And she said, I have seven or something. <laughs> and it, there was, there was one other aspect during the bust that, we don't really talk about. And that's how people were able to qualify for loans they couldn't afford. Stated income loans. So you could just make up a number and say, I make $800,000 a year. And that was never verified for these loans. Like you didn't have to prove it. There was no W-2s. There was no bank account, the big statements, nothing. So the stripper that had the seven properties (laughs) lost them all. (laughs) Anyway, I think you'd appreciate the movie. Yes, of course. It was crazy. No, I totally get it. Because I was honestly in a relationship at that time and we had no money. I'm not going to lie. We had no money and we were living in Denver, Colorado. And we almost, because we were at the very tail end of that whole situation, we almost got approved for a home for five something or six something. We didn't make enough money to afford that house. There is no way we could afford that house. But we were living in the house rent-free because, I mean, it was the most crazy thing. I can't even remember the details. But, like, and then and then it all all the shit hit the fan. Yeah. And then they yeah. were like, you've got to get out. Like, yeah. you don't qualify. And yeah. we're like, wait a minute. We were supposed to close in, like, two weeks. But it was, like, right at the end of it. And they were like, nope, it's, it's over. Like, you're out. And I just, and me and, me and Sam were like, Oh my God, what the fuck? Like, where do we, what do we do? So we moved back to San Diego, but. I did not know you lived in Colorado. Yes. That is crazy. Yes, I did. Hold on. I know, right? So that was before Virgin. Yes. 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 So I was married to, um, I was to Sam at the time. And when, when I first got hired with Virgin. Yeah. And um, I got hired in May of 08. We got hired yes. in May of 08. Yes. I was married to him at the time. Yes. And then... Um, Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. That was our anniversary date, yes. Mm-hmm. And then in November, he was going through barber school, and I was working two jobs as a hairstylist, and I was flight with attendant. flight attendant. And then I came home one day, and he was he had his basketball stuff on, and he, I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I dropped out of barber school, and I'm just playing, I'm just playing b-ball for a while. I'm like, oh, really? Interesting. And then he cashed our rent check. And oh, bought, I remember that. And then he bought some basketball shoes with our rent check. And then that's when I left him. So anyway, that was that eight-month relationship. Anyway. I remember yes. you telling me that you left the rent check. You're like, okay, I'm yeah. going to work. I'm going to go fly. Here's the rent check. Please, please, please send it in the mail. Yeah. Put it in an envelope. Put it in the mail. And, and send he, it in the mail. And he cashed it. Mm-hmm. And what bought some Ugh. kicks? I was like, I needed new kicks, babe. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that was that. Anyway, we had lived before we got married. We had lived in um, Colorado for a year together. We started a business out there. But anyway, that was my Denver situation. But we almost bought the house and we didn't get it, and it was all for a reason because we would have lost it anyway. Yeah. But that's yeah. how that's how willy nilly they were giving out loans. Like it was like basically like we just claimed we made a certain amount a number and that was it. Unbelievable, right? Honestly, and it didn't come back for. I wouldn't say it really started to come back till like twenty sixteen. So we're talking nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine, all the way to twenty sixteen. To where it really was stable again. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. seven years. Yeah. No, a long time. Long time, but I don't think that's gonna happen this time. Not even at all. if there's like baby corrections in markets. I saw some sensationalist thing on TikTok the other day talking about how the 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 four areas of the country that are going to crash are San Diego, Austin, Phoenix, and um, North Carolina. There is no way. Mm-mm. 
if you got a good loan in San Diego, you're not going yeah. anywhere. No. If you got a good loan in Phoenix, I don't see anybody moving out of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I see people moving in. in. Mm-hmm. I don't see anybody leaving. Yep. Agreed. So, I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, don't yeah. you think sometimes the media, I don't know if oh, they're on the same page about yeah. this. They just like to start. And the fear mongering. The fear mongering. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the fear. It's just, right? Because in all of our spiritual journeys, I have always learned that you can make decisions. You usually make decisions based on two things, fear or love. Yeah. That's it. Because if you think about it, like even who you get with, what house you buy, what what career you want, what what decisions you make, it's because he's the best I'm going to get. Or yeah. this is the best house on the market. I can't let it go. Right. Like, I, if I don't get this house, I'm not going to get any other house. What if I'm homeless? What if I'm homeless? Yeah. yeah. Like all these things, right? Like <laughs> right. it's fear. Yeah. But if you make decisions out of love, you're going to make the better decision. Well, like, the other part of love is surrender. Right. And surrendering to what is. Mm-hmm. And like you said the other day too, what is meant for you will come to you. Yes. Right? We'll always we'll find you. Will always find you. You're never going to have it. Let it pass you by. Right. So that can be in real estate. Right. And that's the trust is like, okay, I didn't get this house, but I'll get one, another one's coming. Right. A better one's coming. Even as a flipper. Yes. You think as a wholesaler, like you get these deals offered to you and right. then all of a sudden you don't get it because right. maybe somebody else got it sooner or you're like, oh my God, that was the best deal. I was going to make so much money on that house and it's gone, but it's- it happened to me last week. You want to know? Yeah, it's like it's, I do. I'm still thinking about it. It's really? okay. It's not the one that got away, but I'm a little right, upset. Right. So right outside of Tucson, I was offered a 12-plex for $120,000. And it penciled. I'll just say. It penned. Okay? It, it penned. Like it was, it was like legit. It was amazing. Yeah. And I called my contractor and I said, hey – I'm going to send you the address. I got offered this 12 uh, plex right outside of Tucson. I'm in Phoenix, so that's a two-hour drive away. Any interest? And he said, actually, I've got a whole crew going in Tucson at the same time right now. Absolutely, I can do it. When do you want to walk it? And I called the wholesaler back, and he said, sorry, it's sold. So I had to make a decision within, like, five minutes. And I, I needed to talk to my contractor. So I'm okay with that I let it go because my process for me is calling my my Your my contractor. contractor. Right. Can can you do this? Right. Is this within your scope? Because if he would have said no, I would have been screwed. Your I answer been, would have been different. Well, and I right. would have had to go find a right. crew that I don't know and driven down there all the right. time. And what if it was a I mean, right. There's right. There's always a way in real estate, but I yep. needed that yes from him. The yep. second I had it, I was too late. It was a really juicy deal. <laughs> but you know what? Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Because yeah. you know what? Sometimes we only share our wins. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that can be a little discouraging. You yeah. know what I mean? Because no, like, there's no, so there many... are definitely right. fails. So as a wholesaler, yes. when I had called and I had made all these offers on homes and I had thought my comps were amazing, I was like, I can't, like to this day, I don't really understand why some of these houses didn't sell. Like in Indio, California, I had like this three bedroom, two bath house. It was on this beautiful lot. And I think, let's just say easy math. (laughs) I got it for $100,000 and I really thought it could sell for $2,250. I really, really did. But I called all my buyers. Yeah. Nobody wanted it. So nobody. Was this a couple months ago? Yes. Okay, so I will tell you here in Phoenix, I was offered maybe five juicy deals two months ago, and I was operating from a place of fear. Like, we need to hoard our cash. We don't know what's going on with the economy. Investors stopped buying. I think they're buying again. Right. But they stopped for a good two months. It wasn't you, and it wasn't the deal. It was just the sentiment of the market, and we can't control that. Thank you. But you're, I appreciate I'm that. sure your penciling was solid. Thanks. Because nobody would, nobody was, was buying. It was timing. Because everybody was, the the sky is falling. Right? Absolutely. And even investors were Absolutely. like, hold on, we're going to take a step I'm gonna back. I'm going to keep my money in my bank uh-huh. account right now. Very um, interesting. I knew the market had turned because instead of getting maybe like two or three wholesale deals a day in my inbox, I was getting 50. They were like, way, yeah. So many. Because people weren't snatching them up. Mm-mm. 
So do you think now today, if I found those same deals, probably those same buyers would be more interested? Yeah, I think it'd be easier. It'd be easier. Because the sky didn't fall, did it? Like, no, it didn't. So we have right. the last three or four months to go off of. Yeah, closing slowed down, but they didn't stop. Mm-mm. They sure didn't. Yeah. Right? The inventory is not crazy. No. Like in the desert. No. Like we have an ample amount, of right. course, but it's not like it's off the charts. No, not like 2008 in, or anything. Mm-hmm. It's not no. skewed. And um, here in Phoenix, I've been hearing statistics that even houses that have been on the market like 40, 50 days all of a sudden are maybe getting like 18 showings in a weekend and two offers. Yes. So the other day when I went out with my buyer, we he made an offer on a house. It got an offer. Like it had been on the market for 84 days. Yeah. So I was like, dude. So we that's can, what I'm saying. I was like, we can make a lowball offer. It's been on the market for 84 days. Yeah. Like we'll see where it comes back at. And then he's like, oh no, actually we got two offers in today. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Right? So like, I don't think that demand dried up. I think all the buyers that got freaked out by the, mm-hmm. the thing is when interest rates were at 12%, mm-hmm. it was like slowly boiling a frog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was by degrees and it was over a course of a couple of years. Mm-hmm. We went from 3% to 7%, 7 right. immediately. Right, that, right, right. that shocked and freaked yeah. out the market. Of course. And it was done on purpose. Freaked me out. But it freaked everybody yeah. out. We're like, how high is this going to go? Right, right. So and I think And am I going to buy at the wrong time? Right, right, right. And now people are just starting to like dip, dip their, their toes. toes back into mm-hmm. the water. Jinx. Yeah, jinx. <laughs> You'll be a cook. <laughs> grace, grace, grace. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, I know. Exactly. It's so true. It's like, so I think, you know how the pendulum, right? Swings. Swings. And like, you know that ride at Disneyland and the fairs where it's like all of a sudden the swing goes so far to the left and then when it drops, it goes woo to the right. And then over time it like slowly goes back to the middle. Back to the middle. Yeah. I think that's kind of like in real estate what happened, right? Yes. 2020, 2021. An immediate crash. It was like so crazy. It was like everything was over market, 2.65%. Everybody's buying. And then all of a sudden. Crickets. Yeah. The other side, right? Because it got let go. 7%. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's fucking buying. No. Like it's over. Like yeah. the market's going to crash. Right. But then it just kind of like went. Mm, yeah. Seven, six percent, six point five. Yeah, six, right, six yeah. And now it's just kind of in that settling. Middle. It's settling. Sellers know they're not going to get what they got. Their neighbors got last year. Yeah, right. Buyers know they're not going to get the interest rate their neighbors got last year. Right. It's over. Right. We're back in course correction. Right. And now we're just kind of like hanging out. Right. Like. Right. And you can kind of see that in other markets too. People are just starting to tip their dip their toes back into the stock market, mm-hmm. into the crypto market, mm-hmm. and like things are it's just safer. People a bit. are ready to re-enter. Mm-hmm. So whatever that looks like, but I think here in Arizona, just based on the amount of people calling me to stage their houses, mm-hmm. spring selling season is going to be back to normal. It's or not be. back to normal, but like. Healthy. Healthy. Yes. Mm-hmm. The pendulums like balanced out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not Maybe it's not just, a buyer's market, maybe right. not a seller's market, maybe just a balanced market. Right, right, right. For a little bit. Because I mean, that's how, now correct me if I'm wrong. I, 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 you know, I haven't been a real estate agent or investing for, you know, however long, but like, I feel like the market, yes, it goes up and down, but what we just experienced was a whole nother level of, of wave. Right? Yeah. Well, it was just so fast. It was a shock. It was a shock, Also, Christina, I don't know the statistic, but those interest rates that... Do you remember when it was in the twos? Oh, yes. I was able to refinance my house in the twos. Yes. That that is... 2.45, 2.56. It's free money. It's free money. It's free money. If you adjust for inflation, it's free. (laughs) They're paying you. Yeah. Yeah. Really. (laughs) Right? Really. Right? Yeah. So um, that was extremely low. Right. Even in the threes is very like low. Like I said, 1954. Right, 1954. I mean, really, we are talking yeah. in 67 years. I right. mean, our grandparents 
didn't barely get that right. And six and seven percent isn't even that bad. Right. It's just if <sighs> relatively speaking. Right. It's the it's the mind adjustment mm-hmm. because the how the how much house you could buy for three thousand dollars a month at three mm-hmm. percent interest is half the house you can buy at six percent interest. Right. Right? Your right. payments double. Right. Right. So that was shocking too. Mm-hmm. Um, my flip that was under contract immediately over and over again, they always canceled. And I think it's because they got their um, loan documents, like their, um, what's it called? Like the LSU uh-huh. showing how much their monthly payments would be. And because interest rates kept shooting up and lenders don't lock rates until you actually write an, an offer on a house and it's accepted, they think it's going to be this price. And then the interest right. rate dropped up this much. A whole 2% or and the and, and the payments went way up and they canceled. Mm-hmm. It happened twice. So then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to rent this house. Right, right. You're not going to go through that again. No. So when you said before that you wanted to talk about lenders. Yeah. And like get into like what they do. So I'm going to let you take the lead on that because well, I mean, I don't I don't think that I'm an expert at all, but I will say by doing this for all these years, all lenders are not created equal. No, I agree and with some that. are absolutely shitty. There's mm-hmm. this one guy on TikTok, I'm not going to mention any names, but I blocked him. He's horrible, like the worst lender ever. And he claims to be really good. And I tried him for one of my investment properties and he sucks. So a good lender is going to give you options. Mm -hmm. It's going to say, what's your goal? Like when I have a conversation with Anthony, my lender, I say, I want the lowest payment possible because I want it to cash flow the most every month. That was my goal with my last rental property. And he's like, great, this is how we're going to do that. So would you take an interest-only loan at that point? Because I would, my mind immediately says lowest loan available would be interest-only. Actually, what we ended up, I ended up buying down my rate. Okay. So I owned it free and clear, and then I renovated it, and it was, um, it, it appraised for 660000 so I could have got a mortgage for five hundred fifty thousand or something like that. I only got a mortgage for four hundred thousand. So is that the Burr method? Have you heard yeah, of that? Yeah, it's kind of the Burr method. Just, the Burr method's amazing. Yeah. I've I've burned a few properties. I really okay. I really like we should probably explain what Burr is. Absolutely. So Burr is basically B R R R buy renovate. Rent, refinance, repeat. So you buy a property. You usually pay cash if you can. Hard so money lender. Hard money lender. Yeah, yeah. And then you don't you, have to have the cash. No, 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 no. Like you, you can, can get you it. Can, get the cash. Any private money is treated like cash. Right. Right. In the eyes of a bank. So you buy a house for a hundred thousand. We'll keep the same. Yes. <laughs> example and you renovate it and then all of a sudden it's worth 200,000. You can let's say you spent $50,000 fixing it. So you bought the property for 100,000, spent 50,000 fixing it up, but it's worth 200,000. You could take a loan, a mortgage against your property for 150,000 which would pay you back for all the renovations and pay back your hard money lender. And so you'd have $0 invested in the property. You'd get all your money back, but you'd have a free property. And you're making the rental income. Yes. Yes, exactly. And you have the equity going up every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a brilliant plan. Yeah. Like I'm excited to do, I think my next, so what you had taught me from a long, long time ago was, like I think I had mentioned, flip, flip, Hold. Yes. So you do two flips. You take all your money like a little chipmunk and you put it in the next one and then you take that little money like a chipmunk and then the next property you hold it. Yes. And I think the next holding property because what I want to talk about really quickly is that the reason why you need to pay cash for a lot of these houses at first is because like we had mentioned, mortgage companies 
traditional loans, conventional loans, won't give loans on houses that are missing a roof. That's right. Completely dilapidated. That's right. Like they're, they're, their inspector is going to come in and be like, oh no, we're not going to invest our money in this. Mm-hmm. So that's why you need the hard money lender, the private money lender that's right. first, because you're not going to get it conventionally. Right. So you get your hard money loan. And then of course you get, you have your own money or you get another loan for the for the rehab yeah. and then you go in there and then you put the new roof on mm-hmm. you rebuild the fire damage you mm-hmm. whatever you redo the the kitchen right then the bank comes in and says oh why miss sampo a carpenter this is a very beautiful house i would like to loan you two hundred thousand dollars right. on this house right right so that's like that's like the basis of why you kind of need and if you're going to make offers on homes on the mls like i did as a wholesaler or off the market as you did you're going to need to make that cash too because a lot of the foreclosures, the pre-foreclosures, they don't have time to no. go through a 30-day process right. of a conventional. You need the fast close. Yeah. It's usually distressed sellers. Distressed. For one yes. reason or another. Right. They exactly. want they, they want, want the out. house off their books as quickly as possible. Right. Which is why you need the cash. Right. And the hard money. Right. And the, and then that goes back to the, going to the RIAs, right? Going and finding your hard money lenders. Yes. Because at the end of the day, all of this starts with cash. Oh, yeah. Cash is king. Cash is and king. And at the end of the day, like your post on TikTok with the dude with the like cash in his pocket. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> Like, it's a funny TikTok. Yeah, you it's hilarious. It. <laughs> yeah, her TikTok's great. Actually, it's super fun. Yeah, but you, um, no, cash yeah. is definitely king. Yeah. and we can talk so much more about lending and flip, flip, hold because yeah. what we've talked about is you flip a house and then the profit that you make, you use it to invest in your next flip, right? And right. you make profit again. Well, how do you hold? How do you keep flipping if you hold? And right. all your money's still on that property. Right. We can talk more about that. Okay. About strategy. I like it. Because there's certain the things podcast. you can do where you can keep going, flipping, and keep and them. And holding. Right. Because it makes sense. Because you're logically thinking, well, it stops there then. Right. The Flip, buck stops here. Hold, the buck stops here. Like, all my money's in this house. Right. But, yes, right. there's exit strategies to that. Yes. There's lot. There's different ways yes. to do that. Very exciting. Yes. Very yes, fine. Yes, yes. All right. Okay. Here we are again. Are you going to play the harmonica? Oh, yes, exactly. Okay. This okay. is the end of our By the Damn House. It's been our pleasure. <laughs> I'm Grace Carpenter. <laughs> Christina Joy. Thank you for joining us. Bye. <laughs>